This podcast is brought to you by Groove Booking. Because that's my company and this is my podcast, so duh. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Adara. Hi. Thank you so much for joining of me course. and driving way out to my house. Oh, it was nothing. The The common theme has been everybody's like, you live pretty far out here. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Tucson, so everything is far. So it really... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to me, everything in the Valley is Phoenix. So like this is still Phoenix in my... Growing up in Tucson. Yeah. Yeah. So the only thing, <laughs> the only cities I don't consider Phoenix is Tucson. Correct. And then like once you get up into like New River. I don't even know what that is. That's like on the 17 going to like flag. Okay. Yeah. No, we're, really out. we're out that. of range. Yeah. yeah. We're out of range for sure. You're like way up in elevation. <laughs> and you're not like, I live in Phoenix. Right. So anyways. Yeah. Uh, I made you pronounce your last name earlier, but so you go by Adara Ray for music. Yes, because of that reason. Uh, my last name is Leolios. Um, lots of vowels and an S at the end, so we know it's Greek. Um, but yeah, Ray is like, I think it's my great grandpa and then an uncle's name and, and just kind of like the basic girl middle name. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> is it your middle name? It is my okay, actual middle name. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you made it up. No, definitely, definitely did it. But it gives a little bit of that like basic, sometimes like country girl vibe. I'm like, I swear I was just born. <laughs> <laughs> I had no, no say yeah, yeah, in my middle name. Right. Same when people compliment the first name because Adara is not really one you normally hear. But I'm like, I don't know what you would like me to say to that. I Thank you. I didn't pick yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I, my parents had everything to do with this yeah. and I was just right. existing at that point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, very recently you told me that you are moving to... Chicago. <laughs> yes. So yes. I wanted to get into, um, we were talking while I was setting all this up and I was like, wait, we got to wait so everybody can hear this. Yeah. Um, do you have a lot of family in Chicago? Um, I do. Right now I have like cousins and um, a lot of friends. Um, but when like my family from Greece came to America, it was Chicago. Don't really know why, but that's just mm -hmm. like a thing for Greeks for some reason. So there's a large Greek community in Chicago yes. or, or Illinois in general. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, I That's a little piece of it there's a lot of pieces to it um but i spent a ton of time traveling this year with the intent of like everywhere i go like thinking is this the next step for me um because as much as much as i love phoenix like i grew up in tucson i've grown up in arizona and yeah. i want to try something new um and chicago was one that kept drawing me back also austin but that seems to be the cliche of everyone moving to austin right now so i was like let's be a little different <laughs> i mean there's a reason for a cliche though like totally. it's it's a cool place probably yes it, it is um i I don't know if it would make more sense for me musically. My thought process was that maybe it would make less sense because everyone is kind of doing something similar to me musically and maybe I'd yeah. have a better shot if I'm a little different, but mm -hmm. we'll see. Nothing is permanent. So what is your intent with music? Um, well, so initially when I kind of started out, I was gigging a lot. It was, I was gigging full time. That was my full time job. This was like... What age did you start? Um, let's see. <laughs> like gigging. they know. Okay, they know. They know that I tell people this story. But um, my parents actually like bought me a fake ID to be able to tour and play and stuff when I was younger. So hey. I was, um, I think like eighteen when we first started touring. Mm -hmm. We did a couple of tours with my band at that time. 
before that I like had stuff written that I was playing in my bedroom and stuff but I just when you're like 16 that's a little weird to go like play in a bar you know so once uh, I, I was it. done with yeah I, I did it a few times my parents had to come and I'm like this uh-huh. is this is weird this is not the vibe so um so yeah around then like right after high school plus everyone's so judgmental in high school that I wanted to get out of that and then start doing my thing <laughs> um so I did that like full time and then it got to the point we were like touring and I remember I was like literally taking tests behind stage on tour being like oh my god I forgot to turn in this test for college and oh. I just would guess and turn it in and my grades were suffering and um I knew always I also wanted to be a therapist and right. so I, at a certain point it was like okay if you actually finish this degree no one can take it away from you just like yeah. buckle down finish this um and I just graduated in May so oh that recently yeah yeah so how long have you been a therapist um, well, I did my internship for the, my whole last year of okay. school. Um, and then it's, I mean, my eighth month of doing it on my own, even though I basically was on my own during my internship. Cause I, I don't know, my, my bosses and stuff trusted me. They're like, here's the key to your office. Figure That's it out. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely, definitely want to come back to, um, you being a therapist and yeah. going to school about that. Um, that's super important to me. Mm-hmm. I did. I always do a little Google research, Instagram research. Okay. (laughs) And I found something very interesting, which, and I think it's you. Okay. Did she, did she have, I was going to say, did did she have blue hair? Yeah, that is me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So you look like punk rocker. Yes. A little bit. Totally. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that era of your life. Yeah. Okay. So what's funny if I have an album that's out and it's very old, like 2016, that's when, when we had toured and all that stuff. Blue Hair Adara. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the band MXPX. That was like a punk band at my time. It was my first concert I ever went to. Okay. Um, ended up meeting them later on in life. I did like a little independent film I was acting in. And oh, cool. the singer of that band was in it. Um, that's actually where I recorded my first album. Um, mm-hmm. Was out in Bremerton with them. Um, and then one of the drummers from good Charlotte was also friends with them. So he helped on the, on the album. Super cool. And I have a, I have a song on the first album that is a duet with the singer from MXPX, which just like blows my mind. Cause I was the first band I ever went to go see. And he's got a very like punk rock voice. Yeah. Um, he's, he's got, he's a bass player. Um, I think that one of their songs, chick magnet, like the bass, um, line on that is like in one of the Rolling Stones like top 100 baseline type thing so he huh. even did bass on some of the tracks so it's he he brought a little bit of that punk rock flavor even though yeah I don't really know what my sound is I don't always love that okay. question <laughs> but well I'm gonna listen to it now yeah <laughs> not right now but afterwards yes, I will. Yes, yeah <laughs> um so I mean MX PX yeah that certainly sounds like a punk rock yes band name definitely were uh-huh very yeah 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 <laughs> so there so they were like your first punk like genre favorite band yeah so the story with that um i don't know if you remember this or if this was just something that i had as a kid or a very similar age yes yes we discovered that so so um there was these things called play it nows that you would it was like a cheap ipod for kids who couldn't afford ipods and you would like (laughs) pop out the, the side would pop into the headphone jack and it would just record whatever was playing and you could get up to okay. 30 minutes right and it would separate them out into songs and oh, I rem- it would yeah yeah okay. so i remember there was this one mxpx song that would play on the radio and i was desperately waiting for that song to come on had waited in my room all day to get this song and i think we were on our way to church or something and my mom was like 
doing my hair and she was getting frustrated because my hair was like knotted up or something. And so she's got me, you know, hand on my head so I can't move. And the song came on and I'm just sitting there silently like wanting to cry. I was like, I waited all day for this song to get on my plate now. Um, <laughs> so I actually later in life when I did meet them, I told them that story. And yeah. They thought it was funny, but they were also like, oh, so you were stealing our music. Cool. <laughs> You're like, mm, you're like, listen. You didn't hear that story. Yeah, your girl couldn't couldn't afford an iPod at the time. Okay, feel bad for it, me. Yeah, okay. it was playing now. But yeah, they were. It was just one of those things where it's like you just never know who you're gonna end up in the room with, and it's a band that some people know, some people don't. But to me, it was yeah. like a very interesting thing that happened. So, um, okay, so you went through a a punk rock phase. Oh, yeah. I actually still have, because I'm packing up and moving right now, I have a Ramones diaper bag that I found at a thrift store when I was like 13. And I have kept it because I'm like, if I ever have a child, they're getting their diaper changed on this Ramones diaper genie That's thing. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It, like it'll out keep... of any Ramones <laughs> memorabilia right. you can get, it's, I have a diaper bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to carry it around as a purse. I was a weird kid. <laughs> but what's the difference between a diaper bag and a real bag? Well, because it has the, inside of it, it literally has the like fold out thing. So I would lay the baby oh. on a Ramones. They would poop on the Ramones. And that's just <laughs> something that I cannot pass up in my life. <laughs> when, if you have children, correct? <laughs> please make this happen. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, it's coming with me. I haven't lost it yet. Okay, so we'll good. See. <laughs> so how did you... So how did you get into music, first of all? Um, what did you gravitate towards first? Yeah. Did um, your parents have to do with it? Anything oh, like that? Oh, God, no. God, okay. no. No one in my family at all. <laughs> That's so funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, huh. But uh, the story, I always tell the first time I remember doing anything, it was my aunt's. My aunt was a teacher at an elementary school. They were doing a talent show. I went to go watch. And at the end, they kind of had like a open mic for anyone who didn't have time to you know, get into the talent show. And I was three and this is the nineties. So I was in my kids and my overalls and my little Bob cut. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a photo. And, um, I said, mom, I want to go up there. And my mom was like, Oh God, this is going to be embarrassing. She's going to cry. What is, what is this like that she's going to do? They didn't even know what I was going to do. And I went up there and I sang the first three lines to the sun will come out tomorrow from Annie yeah. over and over. Just, just kept on rolling until finally my mom had to, to pull me off stage. Cause I was loving it. That's all I knew. But there was I no just, audition for this. It was just like anybody get up and correct. Okay. Yeah. So I was, there's a photo of that. Um, and then I think nine was the first guitar. I took some guitar lessons until I learned enough chords to be like, Oh sweet. I can sing and write songs about boys on my own. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> every, uh, every Taylor Swift song is that right there. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. She Sorry, was, she was a huge, no, it's a, she's like, I mean, because of my age. Yeah. She was a huge influence. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Very but cool. That was the beginning of it. And then, you know, musical theater and choir and all that nerdy stuff when I was a kid. And yeah. Yeah. So you did some acting, you said. Correct. So there was definitely some interest there from, mm-hmm. you said, musical theater. Yes. Um, I played drums for quite a few multiple, uh, quite a few musical theater oh, sweet. Uh, plays. What do you call it? I think you just call it a musical. I don't know. We're going to get shamed by the you know, it is musical, musical yeah. theater community. <laughs> so I knew a lot of the kids and yeah, yeah. Um, it was never something I was like, yeah, I'm going to get into this, start acting. But yeah. for but me, the- it was just a vehicle to sing. Cause like right. I said, like when you are super young, there wasn't enough opportunity to like songwrite and perform that type of way. True enough. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, besides choir, right. What do you really have in like regular public school? 
yeah. which is a shame. Totally. And I could really get on that subject. T- totally. Yeah. But, but it's true. I mean, you know, my parents were kind of grasping at straws that, you know, where to put me because I was so far, um, you know, musically capable Yeah. just because like my dad played drums. He was a great drummer yeah. and, and I shouldn't say was, he just hasn't played in a long time. Yeah. He's not dead. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tanner, you kept saying was. Right. <laughs> no, he's alive. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have like the school of rocks and like the rock camps in the summer. Right. It's oh like, God. Yeah. But they're so cringy. Totally. Totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, really there's, I don't even know how many schools have banned anymore. Yeah. I have no idea. No idea. I was in, you know, jazz band and uh, regular band and percussion ensemble. And like, I think I was lucky that my junior high offered that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't have kids, so I have no idea. But right. it, it doesn't seem that prevalent anymore. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I was in a show choir. That was okay. nice and embarrassing. Is that outside of school? Oh, no, that was in school. That was okay. McGee Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. We did True to Your Heart and we had a little moves to it. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I, we performed at Disneyland, okay? So. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. Um, No, it was a stage that no one has ever known existed in the entire park. And there was just like the one mom that like flew to California with us to watch us. But you know what? I can say that we did. <laughs> Who, whoever books that stage, it's like you book the stage that nobody comes to see or even knows exists. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, but she's performed at Disneyland. And we were in middle school and then we got to hang out in Disneyland. So like, yeah. 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 Exactly. I would do unspeakable things to <laughs> get a free ticket to Disneyland. Oh, especially at that point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So then uh, you did a tour. How many tours did you do? Yeah, we did three. Oh, wow. Um, How like yeah. extensive were these? Um, I think our longest was like a little over a month and we did shows just about every night. Um, this is like van tour. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. A, um, a Volkswagen minivan. Um, that we took like the back seats out of and we there was four of us in the band um, it's a Dara Ray on the home records which is still what I go by when I play with the band oh, cool. the home records just um, have changed uh, but that happens with a lot of bands yeah um, but yeah we we did a couple tours with like a trailer attached to a small SUV and that was just too hard and then we did the minivan yeah um, but yeah I, it was all self-booked and wow all that kind of stuff yeah like massive respect thank you i could literally never do that (laughs) i loved it i actually remember and my mom still remembers it too that like um i I think at one point when we went on the you know the much longer tour we went all the way up you know the coast and back through down like boise and all that um she had kind of texted to check in and i was like i'm sitting on the side of a highway eating um a ham and cheese sandwich and she's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm like no no no. this is the best like i am so happy like yeah. and that you know definitely ties into you know my current travels and move yeah. and all that kind of stuff that's just in my heart to just be like oh my gosh a new place and new people and new experiences i love it yeah yeah that's seriously respect because touring's scary yeah touring scary in a bus yeah. I mean, it's just, you have to have a certain per- personality to be different city every night or every other night yeah. and showing up to venues that suck. Yeah. And totally. they're rough totally. and you don't know who's going to be there. Um, and that's just never something that I could feel comfortable with. Yeah. 
That gives me a lot of anxiety. Yeah. About that. I, I was like, like I said, like 18, 19, 20, because I used a fake ID the whole time. There was yeah. one, there was one venue, the mint in LA that caught my fake you ID. You played the mint? I did. Yeah. That's like yeah. a pretty big deal though, right? Yeah. So okay. I, I was, I was going to start this in to say that I was young and I think I was a little delusional, uh-huh. but it, it worked. Like I, so many people that I talked to, like. Af- that were doing the same kind of thing and booking their own tours they're like oh we spent money to go on tour and we made money on these you guys made tours. money not a ton but yeah. we didn't i mean we didn't lose money by any means that's really a big deal yeah i it, trust me it was not a lot but you know yeah, but well, we didn't lose but typically um, you lose like quite a bit of money right which is was my understanding afterwards and and even with you know like playing the mint and, and things like that like there was just things that happened and I was yeah. just like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. And then I got older and I was like, Oh, you should have been so freaking grateful. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I do the same thing though, that I'm like, Oh, I got through that period of my life without debt or I did this gig and right, like right. it didn't blow up or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, did you guys have like a decent, do you have a decent following now? I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> well, okay. But, but. but then at, at, while you were touring, at that time, uh, definitely into this is Tucson, and you know what? As much as people hate on Tucson, Tucson is very much respects their arts. They do. Um, so we had a very, very decent um, following in Tucson. Okay. Um, you know, when we would come back from tour, we'd do like a little homecoming, and we would always fill up Hotel Congress, if you know. Yeah. That one, um, but. Yeah, when we were out, it was just more like, I've got a friend here, and they've got a friend and a cousin, and they're going to come out to the shows, and sometimes we would just get lucky and play venues that like had people there that were fun places to play. So so this was like a self, well, it was a self-booked um, tour, you said, yeah. mm-hmm. but you guys were always quote-unquote headlining? Or were you, um, or did it, you have it totally, support? It totally depends. Sometimes okay. we would just be like on a show with someone else, Okay. Um, but then sometimes like... Like one of the shows I'm thinking that was fun where there's just people there was like Tin Roof in San Diego. Yeah. You heard of that spot? Yeah. Yeah. That's just like a fun spot that people like to hang out. Uh-huh. So when we played there, it was like, this is just a place that people are going to be. But that was more like, you know, like something like I do now, like a longer two hour gig or something like that where we're. Oh, it the was. Band. Yeah. Oh, so there were okay. some shows like that. And then there were some where we were doing like the classic, like 45 minute set with a couple of different bands. Oh, cool. So yeah. you were, so you were having to play covers along with originals on some of these yeah here's a little secret about me i play some covers but i play a lot of originals and people like it and they don't seem to say anything that's amazing (laughs) i was like i guess i shouldn't be telling you that as my booker but yeah i throw in a lot more originals than than most people do but you know what i've never had a complaint yeah (laughs) well good (laughs) and and, you know typically i think booking agents would frown upon that Mm -hmm. however um that also speaks for itself with how enjoyable you're to listen to sure as long as you have good songs and you sound good playing them right and you can read the room and be like okay that didn't work and then you for sure and it's like okay fine here's britney spears right (laughs) anyways here's wonderwall (laughs) pretty much (laughs) um no there's a actually there's another guy um blaine do you know blaine long i think we follow each other on social Yeah. yeah um i think did pretty well in the voice but he's been gigging here for a long time and i mean unreal voice unreal mm-hmm. guitar playing but that was kind of his thing yeah. or, or it still is his thing is that he's like i play originals and that dude has like i think eight or ten albums out or something That's and okay. like he's super consistent about putting out music yeah um amazing talent and because of that he's enjoyable to listen to the songs are good yeah. 
you're entertaining. Yeah. Like you are being hired to be in one way or the other an entertainer. Sure. You can't exactly define what entertainment is. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be enjoyable to watch or listen to. Yes. Yeah. So again, it doesn't have to be Britney Spears and Wonderwall and <laughs> whatever else over yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also surprises me that you would think if somebody goes out to dinner mm-hmm. at all, they probably go out to dinner pretty frequently. Sure. Wouldn't you eventually be like, I'm hearing the exact same yep. cover song from all these different artists. Right. Why is that? Yeah. Like I want to hear new music. Yeah. Well, uh, even the covers that I do honestly are not the typical ones that you would think of. Um, Cause I am, sorry. I'm a big eighties new wave girl and nineties oh, and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, and people dig it. Cause that's not usually what, people are covering either especially when you see me or you hear my sound that's not what you're expecting so So what kind of stuff when you say like 80s new wave 90s like what what do you like to cover who um okay my biggest band obsession is the smiths and morrissey yeah okay (laughs) um i don't cover that a ton but like the cure and depeche mode um super cool yeah so i do like my own versions of that yeah which you'll see people sometimes be like is that Depeche Mode? Like, like, they have that like so cool. cult following. Right. That's like totally. Is that them? Yeah. Like I, it's almost cooler when I see someone like enjoy it. Cause they're like, they really are like, Oh my gosh, I never hear yeah. this. They're passionate. Uh, yeah. And I'll do even like, like way older stuff. I'll do Patsy Cline, Johnny Cash. Cool. I do Janice and Beatles and all that kind of stuff. You have a very Janice rock voice Thank vibe. I love you. it. I appreciate that. That's, High praise. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm always looking for that unique voice for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think through the years, people have tried to force sometimes this uniqueness on their voice yeah. and sometimes it shows through Yeah. to me. Yeah. Probably some other people. Uh, but yours is like this very raw, um, well, because people don't know this. I just <laughs> recorded you on a song yeah. uh, for, a, for a project I once again can't talk about. <laughs> I love it. I can't I, talk about it. It's <laughs> I an NDA. Have your people talk to my people. <laughs> you know, if you want to know about it. You know. Right. <laughs> no, I've, I've said that on multiple podcasts now and I feel like a complete asshole. <laughs> I'm that guy. Um, so anyway, so you just recorded the song. This is the first time I've ever heard you sing in person. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, obviously booking you on quite a few gigs now like i knew you were good and i knew you sounded like from videos however in person there's a presence that you can't totally see or hear unless you're there right yeah and this has happened quite a few times i had a girl um um lexi faust on last week uh do you know lexi okay um she said i absolutely know lexi i love her she has a great voice in the room. <laughs> yeah. um, no offense. I'm just kind of isolated. I work a lot. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, and it was the first time I heard her sing in person, I think. And okay. like, again, knew she was fantastic, but it's just like, holy hell. Like, right, it's totally different. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how I felt about you starting yeah, to sing. That you. first note comes out, you know, if somebody's going to be like struggling. Sure. <laughs> how much am I going to have to tune this vocal right now? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, with you, none. So Sweet. thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I that's why I love getting to do this and like everybody has such a unique voice and, yeah, and, and a yeah. presence and a way that they perform a song and mm-hmm. um, yours is very unique and, you. and 
how I describe kind of like raw and raspy, but Thank but you, you have range. Thank you. Which is cool. That's been developed, I think, over some years because I have been I've been gigging for a very long time. Yeah. Um honestly, I have so I have so many original songs, mm-hmm. but I think I mentioned earlier, like, I don't know how any of this stuff works. I was focusing so hard on getting my masters that it's like the gigging part of it, I get to sing, but like also get to have some extra money because you know absolutely going to school and being a student and all that stuff so my music career has just been like i show up and i and i play um with that being said i think i've had a lot of time to just kind of like i'm bored with the way that i sing this song or the way that i sing this so let's mix it up a little bit so i I do think that it's changed a little bit in the last couple of years because of that just experimenting for sure i mean i think you're always trying to find any talent that you have Mm -hmm. um and a voice is really ever changing. Yeah. Um, changes day by day, mm-hmm. you know, depending on mm-hmm. the weather and yeah. your mood. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it definitely, I, I see the puzzle pieces fit together now hearing you in person and mm-hmm. you're like, I was in this like rock punk band. I'm like, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I and it's it. funny because like even, so um, I'm working on a project right now where, um, I think we have like six or seven songs that should be coming out in the next couple months. But so you're still writing with the current version of the band. Uh, I write the songs and then they kind of help help me put the Produce stuff together. Dish. Sure, yeah. Because okay. again, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> other than the songwriting singing. Neither part. do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and those guys are still down in Tucson. Um, but where is it going with this? Um, you're yeah, I think that. Sometimes people are like, oh, she's country. And I'm like, that's just one of my songs. Yeah. And then there's a song that is a little more like Janice. Yeah. Um, and it just depends what, you know, how we produce it too. But um, yeah, country gets a bad rap, unfortunately. But um, bad country gets a bad rap. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. And it unfortunately ruins it for everyone. But uh, yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I mean, so, you'll, so you'll listen and you'll see. You're a country fan. You're... Rock Honestly, fan. not even really. Like no. I like I said, like like Johnny Cash or Patsy kind of like that kind of like old school country, but for me, I do I do see some of the like the like Janice Rock type of influences vocally, mm-hmm. um, which I attribute more to like bluesy, but country at its like truest old fashioned form was a little bit bluesy. Yeah. And I think we've lost some of that in the current, like modern country. Not to hate on it, because you know what, nope, some of that stuff is it. catchy as hell. So I don't, and they're doing better than I am. So yeah. whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I think when people hear the word country now, they think of what we have now as like this, like pop country. Yeah. Um, but, but it's like cringy pop country. True, and it, it it depends on the context of the yeah. song too. Like I'm not singing about my tractor or losing my dog or whatever it is you know like <laughs> we, we use that as a stereotype but you know it's pretty true yeah <laughs> stereotypes happen for a good reason yes. especially in country yes totally, totally um yeah the the country thing you know saying like how it was bluesy at one time mm-hmm. um i mean really your original genres when music could even start being recorded after classical and stuff like right. that at least in America was I think country blues. Yeah. Um, and then from there, um, man, country might've came first as far as like some of the oldest recordings. I, th- I, I think I would believe oh, that. God. Yeah, I believe it. 
but yeah, like old Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline, like you were saying, and um, uh, I mean, look at Dolly Parton. Yeah, her, her she was voice. writing a bunch of pop songs. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the the history of music is is extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, my wife started playing, my, my wife and I started playing this game when we were driving. I don't know if it's still on there, but you can go on Spotify's homepage mm-hmm. and um, it has top 100 songs for each country, like oh, every country. Cool. Yeah. And so we started going to just very random countries, yeah. Middle East, Asia, yeah. like Argentina, like sure. really picking out random places on the map. Most music currently sounds very similar with different languages yeah that's concerning yeah (laughs) it was all like very like the majority of it was very standard electronic pop yeah and then again stereotypically like in egypt it had that like weird scale flare i don't know what to call it but that egyptian sound right yeah um but like n- none of it was like, oh, that's rock. Yeah. And oh, that, oh, wow, that sounds country, but that's from whatever. No, it yeah. was like all pop, electronic, yeah. whatever. And yeah. it was really strange how like, yeah. I think I started realizing that maybe America still is the most diverse in music. Yeah. Because when you go through the top 100 from uh, South Korea, sure. it was like, these all sound the same. Yeah. Like they yeah. don't have a from that list i'm not saying it doesn't exist sure. obviously but yeah from what that they're list, considering popular or worthwhile yeah. yeah yeah and it wasn't even like oh here's your top 40 as in like or i'm sorry it wasn't like your pop top 40 it was just a general top 100 right and song to song i was like oh i thought maybe there would be like an americana version but you know sung in korean or whatever whatever it is yeah but it wasn't yeah. it was just all very similar so yeah. Um, it, it seems as though the evolution of music, just as I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. um, has kind of taken the most turns yeah. in our country, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. That's something. And again, I'm like outing myself as you being someone who has booked me on a lot of shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's something I, sometimes I get comments in a good way on the fact that I just show up with my guitar and an amp. I don't have effects in any way. I've I never do any of that stuff. And some yeah, people are like, guitar that's... tone is a good guitar tone. Right. Everyone's always like, that's, that's, it's literally just you. That's so cool. And I do think it's so cool, but it also is like kind of limiting, especially with me being able to like release stuff because I, yeah. like I said, I don't know what I'm doing and I do rely on other musicians, which, uh, is hard sometimes, but I also find that to be like a really cool part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I was with my original like touring group, like all of those guys had gone to, school for music Mm -hmm. and here I was someone that could write and then like be able to hear what I wanted it to sound like and I could sing it Mm -hmm. and they'd be like okay yeah yeah I got it I could do that because they were so talented but I I can't release singles in the way that like some of my other musician friends that are doing more pop things that can literally do a lot of things on their (laughs) own with their computer and their voice and then it's done I need live musicians and that that's also my stylistic choice but that takes a while because then as many times as i go "Ooh, i don't like that let me sing it again that person wants to do that again or they want to put their own spin on it and we've got an all live mic everything so it takes a really long long time 
and it's very interesting that getting that like raw live studio sound takes the most work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you would think it's like, oh, I can just get the band together and like live track everything. No, it takes the most because this little uh, 22 key, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. keyboard sitting here. I don't play piano at all. Yeah. (laughs) I produced and made some really cool things with literally just that. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, actually, one of the one of the songs that we're doing for this project. Yeah. I completely reimagined uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac oh, and so cool. did it mostly on that. And then I added real drums, but yeah. it I'm not a I'm not a super skilled uh mixer or producer by any means. Yeah. Um just getting the sounds right. Mm-hmm. But I mean from endlessly working on EQing drums and stuff, live drums, I've just found out like it's very hard to get the sample the sound Mm -hmm. that you're hearing on every record on the radio now like those are very seldom real drums yeah like it's all some sort of uh plug-in and uh you're pushing buttons yeah (laughs) i don't know how else to put it yes which unfortunately i think there's a lot of that just in life in general right now Mm -hmm. and I will also say like being a therapist for like kids and teenagers right now, Mm -hmm. you think we're just pushing buttons. That's all they know. (laughs) Like they, it's, it's so much of that and just things being so quickly given and, um, easily supplemented in, in those ways. So, yeah. So that leads me to you being a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So you have your master's. I do. So my master's is in social work. Um, I am, well, now I'm moving to um, Illinois. So I am just about done with the process of getting my license there. Um, it's a little bit harder to get in, get it in Arizona. So I have to take a test and have okay. that scheduled and stuff. But um, so basically over the next two to three years, I have like um, like a provisional license and then I collect hours, take another test and I have my clinical license. So So what's the difference? Um, so basically once I have the clinical license, I could even have my own practice, things like that. But prior to that, I'm, I'm working under people and I don't necessarily have to do my own practice. That, that is a goal of mine, but, um, that's just what that allows you to do here. Um, how, how complicated is it opening your own practice as opposed to being like a medical doctor or whatever you would call it? Hmm. (laughs) Well, we deal with much, much different things. Um, but I mean, I hate to say it, but it still is a business, you know? So, so you would, you would need to, you know, build up your clientele and promote yourself and things like that. Honestly, that would be one of the harder parts to it. And I think that's why a lot of people, um, if they find a a practice or a company they really like, they continue to work under that, that therapist. So I think what I'm more asking is like on the insurance side of things, like I know how like crazy expensive and potentially dangerous it is to like open your own practice if you're like a surgeon or whatever or something like that. Yeah. As far as like, I mean, if you're talking like malpractice type stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. We have a little bit of that. Not, not nearly to that degree. Um, Just protecting ourselves if, if something were to go wrong legally with our client or unfortunately if they were to commit suicide. That's what I was just going to ask as unfortunate as a topic as it is. Mm Is there really any legal action that somebody that a family member can take if one of your clients were to yeah. end their own life? Yeah, they can. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, it just depends on the situation. Obviously, if you did have For a sure. therapist that 
actively knew that this person had a plan and an intent and they didn't do anything about it yeah go after them fully fully but that's just why you know we're always told especially at this level for me i'm i'm under my boss's license so Mm -hmm. you know anything i do would affect her so she's also you know protecting herself when she's saying make sure you're documenting everything really clearly because we just god forbid somebody needs to go through our notes and stuff it just shows that we did everything we're supposed to but yeah as long as you're doing what you what you're supposed to do that's such a complicated topic because that obviously hopefully would be done outside of our therapy office that's not something that they're gonna bust out in and do right in front of us so it that's that's where it gets complicated because it's like well i wasn't there I didn't do that, but, but yeah, like I said, if there is, if there is a hint of like an intent or a plan, or even if you can tell, there's little, there's little, um, you know, signs of if they're coming in and saying like, so I decided to sell all my stuff and I, you know, like things like (laughs) Like that. Like rash decisions. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, There's just like, you know, if one week they come in saying they're the most depressed they've ever been in the next week, they're really, really happy saying they've sold everything and they've made amends with so-and-so and and all this stuff that's going to, you know, red red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so you just graduated in May. Mm -hmm. I think I just said that, but, um, but you've been working at a practice. Yeah, so I work for community mental health, which is much more intense than a private practice. I'm trying okay. to get into private practice when I go over to Chicago. But um, with community mental health, I see like 60 clients. Yeah. It, so that is quite a few for one person to see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many. Is that is uh, that per week? No. Well, that's the thing. I, because of that high of a caseload, I can only see them every other week. Sometimes it even stretches into the three weeks. And then we get okay. into like, how much progress are we actually able to make if I'm not seeing you so often? Um, obviously, I'm definitely trying my best. And I work with the most supportive, amazing women like ever. But community mental health is just one of those things where, um, you know, the system is the way that it is. And we don't have a lot of resources and everyone's overworked and things like that. I'm honestly not very familiar with community mental health. So yeah. is this something that's like government funded or? So we're a nonprofit, but we are contracted with the state. So okay. we get a lot of kids that are in child protective services. Um, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. Which was my first job in the field was I was, uh, child, I worked for child protective services. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was the You've hardest time of my life. Some shit. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a super sad uh, topic. But yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they're getting help. Yeah, I, totally. But you know what? I uh, it's, it's it's tough. I mm, it's like I I always say I can't say enough bad things about my experience when I was working there. Um, sure, it really just because opened your of eyes to the world. The, well, not even that. Of co- I mean, of course that, but just the system is just. We don't have enough resources. And so I, even myself, like I can, especially just, I started that just coming out of my bachelor's. So I was just out of college and, you know, wide eyed, bushy tailed and was (laughs) naive. And I'm like, I'm going to help everybody and save everybody. Um, And I, even myself with such good intent and good heart Mm -hmm. was not able to help because overworked and so many red flag red tape everywhere and all that kind of stuff so yeah what is what is the biggest thing you're seeing right well so first of all what age group do you mainly see or do you do you have patients of all ages yeah so i i like teenagers um 
I think initially I went into therapy wanting to do like, you know, work with adults. And then I kind of found out that at my age being 27, I know, I know that my teenagers think I'm old, but, um, (laughs) but I'm not that old. Like I, especially because I don't have my own kids. I feel like because of my age and my experience, if I were to be working with an adult one-on-one, that there would be a little bit of that, like, what do you know? Kind of a thing. Uh And I respect that and understand that. And so I just kind of got thrown into working with children um, because I was already working at this agency with another role and did my internship there. And I was like, oh, let's see how this goes. And then I found that teenagers were like perfect for me because I am close enough to their age that I can understand and relate, but old old enough that they still see me as like like, an adult. Yes, totally. Um, And especially when we're talking about kids that have been in the system um, and been through what they've been through, like you cannot tell me that they're not as mature as many adults (laughs) and can have really deep conversations about what's going on so oh yeah well they've experienced things most people will never never or Uh haven't a hundred percent yeah yeah that that system is a whole nother conversation that Mm -hmm. i don't know a ton about and would like to get into we'll see if we have time yeah yeah um but i mean it is an important topic i don't mean to like undermine it um but as far as as far as seeing a lot of teenagers Mm -hmm. whether they have been in that system or not do you have an opinion on what's like the biggest issue amongst a large percentage right now? Yeah. COVID destroyed these kids. Please get deep into this. Okay. And, and uh, I'm not, I'm not prefacing that to be like, I'm a big COVID hater and it's not real. <laughs> the plan, the pandemic. No, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. No Trump. No, right. Okay. No. Um, no. I think for me too, because I, I wasn't a therapist prior to COVID, but I was working at child protective services. So right. I was, um, doing social work and working with children on a regular basis. What year did you start? So that would have been, I started with DCS, my internship with them 2017. Okay. Um, so I had a bit of time. Um, I actually left DCS during COVID because it was just such oh, a shit show. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. Was it a lot of virtual too? Well, for a while they were like, no, you, we can't, how can we, how can we yeah. assess a child's safety if we can't go in the home? So it, it was really complicated. Oh, I see. Yeah. I was okay. working in the office for far longer than a lot of my friends. Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't doing for... therapy during this time. No. This was, no, this was that's DCS. What, right. So I got sorry, to see. Sorry, I thought you were doing therapy for DCS. No. No, okay, I was, I see. yeah, because I hadn't finished my master's by that point. Um, so I was working with kids prior and then, and, and now. So I kind of saw the whole spectrum of things. Um. COVID caused so much more anxiety than I think <laughs> that we're even fully aware of right now. I think that's going to be some, I'm so interested for the studies that are going to happen years down the road. But yeah, and I, I have even had some teenagers admit it and be like, I think that's what did it. Like I notice if we're talking about the timeline, this is when I started to get afraid to hang out with friends and now I struggle socially um, or just being so behind academically and that messes with your confidence and oof, all that oof. kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that year, year and a half, two years if you're in certain states mm-hmm. of, you know, quote unquote virtual learning. Oh, it was a joke complete joke it's a joke and I, I don't blame them i would have done the same thing. i would have laid yeah. in my bed <laughs> turned the camera off and said good night yeah because literally what are you gonna do right like yeah tommy get back on well or I'm, what yeah, yeah or what <laughs> right i'm gonna fail you like because that's really what a kid needs right and i think the the more sad thing about that is i forget who told me this that i think it was my wife's friend who's a teacher was saying like you start learning about their home lives yeah and it's like yeah. oh hey can i talk to mommy or daddy they're not home 
Yeah. And they're like super young and like that young kid is taking care of their baby Mm -hmm. brother or sister. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. A lot of that was happening. And from, I mean, not to get dark, but from like a child abuse or even, you know, domestic violence level that was literally being imprisoned with your abuser the entire time that you're in COVID. Oh my God. So that's what was so complicated, at least when it first hit working for Child Protective Services, because they were like, what do we do? So many people can go work from home, but how can, what, we're going to trust this child abuser (laughs) to go, oh yeah, let me just turn the phone this way. See, they're good. And then turn it back. Like, no, you can't get the full scope of what's happening in that home. So, so when you were doing CPS and and you were going into homes, Mm -hmm. um, essentially inspecting their lives, What puts off that tip initially to then be under the category where like, hey, we can search you whenever? Is this like actual like child abuse crimes that they're still allowed to live at home? So here, here's the interesting interesting thing is I I was an ongoing caseworker. So I did a little bit of investigations, but I would only get the cases that were that were to the point of the this is so bad. We need to remove the kids and we need to get the courts involved. So I, oh, okay. I not that I mean, investigators, I, I would have puked. I, I did a few times where I removed the child and it's some of the worst experiences of my life. But the cases I was dealing with. Yeah, the shit had already hit the fan by the time it got to me. Yeah. But there are kids that are, they're allowed to still live with their parents, but the parents have to be checked up on. Is that how that works? Yeah, that would be like an in, like what we would have called like an in-home case where it's like, listen, there's some stuff going on. It's not enough to take the kids away, but we're going to make sure that you're in therapy or you're getting, you're working on this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Those wouldn't go to me. I, I got the ones where these kids need to be in a foster home or with someone else. Yeah. So you got the real rough part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had to testify in court all the time. I was like, this is disgusting. I can't oh stand this. It, especially because I always knew I wanted to be a therapist. My, my mom works for a church. So growing up, I always was volunteering, feeding the homeless, things like that. And my, my mom would even comment on the fact that like, as a young kid, I was like so overly comfortable talking and <laughs> yeah. to, to the people the, that we were, you know, helping or the unhoused people that we were we did something called the soup patrol. We'd bring um, a van of soup and stuff to them. But I was always just totally comfortable. I was like, I love your hair and let's talk about this (laughs) and whatever. And um, so I always knew in my heart that I was going to help people. And so, but then when, when I went into DCS, I still had that where I wanted to help. But when you have that badge on, you represent the reason that, that their kids were taken away. And to the kids, you represent the face of who took them away from their parents. So there was, very few occasions where anyone wanted to hear what I had to say or try to connect with me. And I do not blame them for one second. Yeah. I mean, while, (laughs) while you might think like I'm taking a child out of a terrible home, I should look like Superman to this child. Highly doubt that's what they don't. They don't. They they just want their parents. And then, then that's the sad truth of it. Um, and that's why I like working the way I do now because we are contracted and we do work with, with kids that are in the system mm-hmm. is now I'm the face of someone that you can just come and vent to me about everything that's happening. Because if yeah. they were to tell me certain things in that, in that my previous role, they probably think, well, if I say the wrong thing, it means I'm not going to go home or whatever right. it is. So they were, they were not being honest with me. I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's super rough. I yeah. applaud you for taking that on. Thank you. Um, but I'm sure it wasn't quite what you thought it was going no, to be. No, I, I like had a p- 
pit in my stomach and a lump yeah. in my throat every day to go to work. And it's just like, yeah, I got to the point where I, I was in therapy myself to figure out like, is this just a learning curve and I need to, you know, stick it out and, and get through this? Yeah. Or is this just not for me? And, and, and it's not for me in, a, in the way that I found that I just, I kind of have issues with like authority a little bit. And yeah. so having to like go testify in court and be the person that's, you know, taking the child away and being that authority. I was like, this is just not me. No, I'm glad you're just, I don't want to say just doing, but you're just doing therapy now. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it, it, it helped so, so much. And, you know, I, I'm very aware of my own privileges and things like that. So it definitely helped me to open my eyes to the, the truths of what's going on out there. But a lot behind the scenes mm-hmm. that we will never see because of where we live and yep. Yep. income and whatever else. Yep. And it's not those kids' fault. Yeah. That's absolutely the horrible thing about mm-hmm. it. So um, we kind of got sidetracked uh, tracked off of COVID. Oh, sorry. But, um, <laughs> no, that was my fault. Um, I mean, obviously it had an effect, mm-hmm. but I think... I think we saw the effects pretty soon after mm-hmm. quote unquote lockdown. Yeah. And obviously in Arizona, we really never locked down the way that. Yeah. Um, and our quarantine or whatever you want to call it was kind of a joke. Like we were um, pretty much open by May or June. It was yeah. like, Oh, oh I, we're I just... had a gig that summer. Yeah. I, I went and played I and then too. I got, I got, yeah, I got COVID that, <laughs> after that gig. Yeah. I went two years and didn't get COVID full time gigging. Whoa. Have no idea. And were you just not testing? Did you I was. It? Wow. I was like like yeah. every time I was like, have a sniffle. Right. Oh, okay. Where's the COVID so test? So you were checking. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I was being super responsible because yeah. Uh, while I think the lockdown thing, in my own opinion, I'll say it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I didn't discredit the dangers of COVID. Yeah. By by no means was I like, like my wife got COVID November of 2020. Mm-hmm. I was concerned, of course, because uh, we did, yeah. knew nothing. Yeah. Um, and then I got COVID in 2022. Two. Yeah, April of 22, yeah. and I think we knew enough at that point. However, yeah. as soon as I tested positive, yeah. I didn't have an anxiety attack, thankfully, but I yeah. was like, I mean, I could rapidly get worse. Yeah. So, you know, I'm half and half on the whole lockdown thing. Yeah. I think after we realized after, we're just going to not see each other for two weeks and it's going to go away. God, yeah. We realized that pretty quick. Yeah. Then I was like, my whole thing was you have to give people a chance. Yeah. Because... People didn't even have a chance to now go make income, and they were like, "It's fine. The state will take care of it." Yeah. <laughs> like, no, they won't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same yeah. way that we say it wasn't, it's not kids' fault where they're where they grow up or what families. Are, it's not their fault that this happened to their education. No, but they're still kids, so of course they're going to say, "I'm not doing this work." Are you kidding me? Yeah. Why would I want to do this? So they're so behind, and also like I think as as an adult now as an older adult now as my teenagers would tell me like i a year is like whatever a year just goes by but if you really put yourself back in high school or middle school a year was a freaking eternity and you changed so much and you made new friends and had all these experiences so to take that out is yeah it's really affecting them so i mean is is there a certain 
age bracket or grade that you see it that it's the most damaging or was it really anything from being five years old in kindergarten to be a senior in high school in the clients that i see it in it's 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 all over it's all over the place i will say anxiety in general is higher but i think anxiety in general is higher because of just the way that we live in our society Mm -hmm. we have so many more expectations on ourselves for our daily life than cavemen ever did or ever could even yeah. dream to have had, you know. Their lives are pretty simple on the it, Absolutely. And we're things. still we are still built for that to be yeah. what our day to day is. So I mean, even just this this morning, like I, I told my brother while we were cause he's packing up and, and going to Georgia, um, while we're getting up to get the U Haul truck, I was like, I think I'm gonna wake up with anxiety until I'm in Chicago every single morning. You because, said this? Yeah. yeah. Every single morning I, I go oh gosh, okay, I have this, I, I got to do this, I got to make sure I pack this or whatever. And you can feel your body starting to freak out yep. when nothing is happening. And that's what I try to explain to clients. And I understand it myself, which mm-hmm. is why maybe I'm more prone to wanting to work with clients with anxiety, is nothing is actually happening. But our brain, in some ways, you got to go, thank you. I see you. You yeah. are trying to help. You are trying to prepare me for every single horrible scenario but that's not what's happening right now and i know that's so much easier said than done to say that right now but i wish that that's something we talked about more is the connection between our our body and and brain like mind body connection yep absolutely i've done a lot of research on that without having anything to do with therapy yeah um as i think a lot of people should unfortunately but they don't they should and did you watch the um, Netflix documentary uh, Xanax? No. Okay, so the most interesting part of that entire and it's it's just a one it's not a series it's oh, okay. a yeah. it's just a documentary, um, or it might be a docu series and they go they talk about different drugs I think each time or something like that. Anyways, this one was focused on Xanax. Oh, what, was it like? Every single one was a different drug. I think I watched like an LSD one. And yes. A, yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I got the Xanax one. Um, I think it's the same one. Okay. Anyways, if you literally just search Xanax, it's yeah. on there. Um, I didn't know much about Xanax. Yeah. Um, but the the most interesting part of that special was they started talking about um, uh, men and women's anxieties and how they differ all the way back to like the 20s. Yeah. And it's so interesting that some people look at 100 years as not that long on the grand scale of things it's it's absolutely nothing. not correct right <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, amongst how humans have lived from any sort of technology or cars or whatever it yeah. may be um i guess i would include technology but um it's not very long You're right and they started talking about just when women were allowed to go into the workforce, which is crazy to say, by yeah, the way, yeah. which is the same thing yeah. as racism. I'm like, how does racism exist in general? But like, how about bad it was back in the, I don't even know when it technically quote unquote ended. Which sure, it didn't. it didn't, yeah. But, you know, that mixed with women being able to work and, mm-hmm. and they're starting to go into the workforce and they want to and yeah. all these different anxieties and how along the way there has always been some sort of drug similar to Xanax yeah. 
And now that they got to what Xanax is now, how dangerous it is. <laughs> and um, I just found it the most interesting that how common anxiety has always been. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm very happy that we can now freely talk about it yeah. to where I'm not afraid to go to my parents and be like, I was in therapy today. Yeah. Because even... 10, 15 years ago, I was kind of like, oh, why do you go to therapy? Yeah. What's so bad about your life? What's wrong life? with you? And to be fair, I would have thought the same thing. Oh, you're yeah. in couples therapy? Mm. What's so wrong with your marriage? Yeah, and like, figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting that I even ever thought like that. Again, yeah. I was a lot younger, but. Sure. But now I've been in therapy since 2018. Yeah. Same female therapist. Yeah. Love her to death. And, and she's helped me through so much. And, yeah. Um, I'm so happy where it's gotten, but again, I keep coming back to why have humans always struggled with anxiety and depression so frequently? Yeah. And I think what uh, back to like the embodiment side of things, like we don't talk about that enough. And because we do have so much going on in our day to day lives that we didn't, what, if we're talking caveman times, I know I keep going back to that. But honestly, that's like one of the the times I can think of that there wasn't external stuff. And even then there was still like, yeah. I got to gather my berries. I got to make sure my family is fed. I got to run away from this tiger. I don't, whatever. Tooth tiger. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there always is something, but we're not built to have so much. And, I, and as much as I, I love me some social media, I love me some TikTok, Same. but I will tell you what, it, back to what's affecting kids. TikTok comes up a lot in my sessions. Really? A lot. And I just recently kind of had a breakthrough with a client, but also a breakthrough for myself. Therapy is interesting because it's, I mean, I obviously go into it to help people, but it also in a selfish way is help is helping myself. I can absolutely believe that. So I have even noticed for me that with TikTok, if I start to scroll and if I slow down on something that's like, okay, for example, to be open and vulnerable, I'm single and I've been single for almost seven years now. Mm-hmm. If I slow down on a video that talks about like, um, you know, be someone else that's, that's my age and is alone and is really sad and they're desperate to find someone or whatever. If I slow down and I watch that TikTok starts to give me more of those. Right. Uh-huh. And so I keep scrolling and then more of those come up and then I start to go, Oh, wait, am I, am I supposed to feel like that? Am I supposed to be sad about this? And I even notice it and I have all this training and tools for therapy. So my ki- my kids will bring that up. They'll say, all right, well, I saw this video and it reminded me of this thing. And, and it clicked for me. I was like, oh my gosh, the same thing is happening to them. That their algorithm yeah. is starting to give them more and more videos, even if that is truly what they're struggling with. They could be struggling with anxiety, depression, and that really is what's happening. But when you're having a constant reminder as you kind of doom scroll yeah. on TikTok. And, and you, you said the word that I was going to say is the algorithm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's creating, I mean, is it, is it creating a false incorrect world for them or is it, or is it continually reminding them or both mm-hmm. of the problems that they have? 
it's so complicated because I know for myself even that I learned so much on TikTok. Yeah. There's stuff that I see and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never even, I never even knew that. I recently saw a video of a girl who had um, a, a large birthmark and how to get that removed. And I've always had this little birthmark on my hand and used to hate it when I was a kid or whatever. I was like, oh my gosh, you could do that? Just little things like that. Um, and even like, I know a lot of people hate on reality TV, yeah. but, and some of them are terrible and I'm guilty of watching them, but some of them I learn ton about different cultures or different ways of living so it's really complicated because i do think there's a lot of good to social media and they Mm -hmm. can learn a lot and they can they can feel like there's people that understand them or relate to them but on the same token this algorithm is not smart enough to figure out the nuances of like what a child is going through mentally or mental health wise so it's just throwing you these videos and and one of them could have a negative impact correct i see it I yeah. mean, that's also an age where you're, I feel like, easily influenced, mm-hmm. more easily influenced. Um, I mean, personally, I don't, like, I've never made a TikTok, mm-hmm. but my wife and I, that's kind of one of our favorite things to do at oh, night is, uh, totally. we watch the TikToks we sent each other, and totally. I'm completely aware how terrible that site is for your computer and phone, first of all, <laughs> and it reads into everything. Yeah, um, yeah. But... There's really funny stuff. Yeah. I don't typically ever yeah. watch a serious TikTok. Yeah. If ever, anything feels serious, I'm like, next. Yeah. I'm using this as comedy, you know? T- to- totally. And I and even just what you said right now, I know how bad it is for my phone or whatever it is. We've gotten to the point where it's like, we just don't care. Don't I mean, care. I, so many people will be like, oh, your, your phone is listening to you or whatever. And I, and I, this is bad, but I'll go like... Well, I mean, yeah, I was in the market for a new air mattress and it and it, it popped up on my Instagram. So great. Isn't that wild though? Because <laughs> I'm the exact same way. Like somebody will be like, oh, don't say that your phone's listening. Half kidding, but half sure, serious. And sure. I'm like, okay. like. But we, we just kind of don't, I don't know if we don't care or we're just all so, so used to it. And for me and you would understand this as well because of your age is we had a time where not everybody, not all of our friends had a cell phone. Yeah. No, we had like we were right at the cusp. Thing, right at the cusp, and and a lot of my teenagers that I work with, when I say my teenagers, I don't have kids, guys. I remember this. <laughs> remember, remember the seven years single. It would be the immaculate conception at this point. But <laughs> I couldn't do math that fast. Anyway, so, so, um, but a lot of them. What was I saying? That well, they make fun of me for being old. Um, but they, 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 yeah, they asked me about like what generation I am technically or whatever, which I was born 95 and that gets complicated. I think some people say that's millennial. Some people say it's the one I'm after. 94, I'm millennial. I don't anyway, know. Anyway, I feel like us cusp people need our own separate category because it, it was so, it's so different to experience both sides. Yeah. And, and, but then at the same time that freaks me out for these kids that that is, that's all they know. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, 20, so what, we we were probably starting to kind of actively get on the computer and like phones when we were 9, 10, 11 Yeah, I know. I got in so much trouble for having a MySpace secretly in like seventh grade yeah. or something like that. I begged my parents and my mom was definitely like, mm, no, for a long time. Yeah, I did it in secret mm. and I got in a I lot of trouble. I was never that brave. Yeah. I didn't know how to delete search history Yeah, <laughs> on my mom's laptop. I guess I must have been doing that. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. Mom, how do I delete this yeah. picture of <laughs> Megan Fox? She's like, what? Who's Megan Fox? Never mind. Don't, don't matter, worry about it. <laughs> You're going to find a picture of Megan Fox, but it's right, besides the point. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that in, as we're talking, I'm, I'm continuing to answer the question that you asked about what, what is the biggest concern yeah. that I see. So I also see communication concerns with these kids. A little bit of COVID, but I'm not going to lie to you. I saw that before COVID. Yeah. And a lot of that is a social media side of things too. And I, like, I even myself as a, like, millennial cuss person, like, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to call this person. Can't we just text? You know? <laughs> like, so I, I can't even imagine, you yeah. know, they are even more on that level. Yeah. You know, like, we think about, like, like our parents, like, if someone were to ring the doorbell, they're like, why are you why is someone ringing the doorbell like go away and then for our generations like please don't call me just text me so what's like the next you know like yeah. what's the next step i don't even i don't even know um at some point we're just gonna be able to read each other's minds right i'm very excited for that day yeah honestly like i don't have to even move my mouth anymore right. <laughs> okay right but i think and like i mentioned way back at the beginning of the conversation when it comes to like pressing buttons like in our society there's so much that is just easy and handed to us and that goes back to the anxiety and depression too is that a lot of what we are looking for is a quick fix yeah. i might myself included if i'm feeling really anxious i want to eat some bad food or i want to drink alcohol mm -hmm. um a little bit same with depression but i go i go the other way if i'm depressed i don't i don't want to eat um yeah but i can see that but with these quick fix fixes even if it's you know consumerism and i'm gonna buy the next be best thing like that's not making the anxiety or depression any better because we're not having conversations about where it's actually coming from and understanding that connection to the body of, and I'm just as guilty of it. I don't like going to the gym. I don't like doing any of that stuff. But you notice that like we were built with these core things within us to help us heal these anxieties and depressions as mm -hmm. they come up, but we don't know how to do them. And we would rather take a shot of alcohol and that's where we feel better it's in 10 fix. minutes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what... Um, ultimately, uh, we did for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was extremely against alcohol and drugs yeah. for my entire life. Yeah. I'm talking like up until even after high school for a little bit, I was like, I just don't want to be around people that do that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I've never been a drinker. Um, I've, most of my friends are like, they know I don't drink. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been tipsy maybe twice in my life. And yeah. it was the worst experience ever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's how I feel about weed. So yes, please tell me. Is it really, see, that's so funny <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, Cause I have very similar friends that are like, I have no idea how you can. And, and I only get quote unquote high yeah. or take. And, and I only do edibles. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. smoke, but at night. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just when I feel like, okay, my day's over. I can chill out and yeah. like, this is what I'm using this for. Yeah. However, you know, while being on that, whatever level you are, mm -hmm. I have done a lot of deep thinking that has been very beneficial, yeah. but along with therapy, yeah. <laughs> cause I started going to therapy in 2018. I didn't even, I didn't take an edible first time until 20 maybe late 21, yeah, early yeah, 22. Well, so yeah. it hasn't been that long, but yeah. in that short time, I've truly used it for myself yeah. as a medicine. Why I'm talking about this is because 
that I would consider a quick fix. Yeah. Is it as bad for you as taking a shot of alcohol? Probably not. Sure. Physically, you probably not. You could argue it, I guess, mm-hmm. for your brain or whatever, mm-hmm. but, well, for both. Yeah. Um. But I never wanted a quick fix, mm-hmm. and that's where therapy has helped me so much. Yeah. And um, uh, I don't know how my therapist is. She's probably in her 40s. Yeah. Um, but by no means am I like, you know, if, if you were comfortable seeing clients her own age and yeah. I walked in one day and we had no idea who each other was and I was like, Hey sure. Dara, I'm your new patient, right? Yeah. By no means would I be like, Oh, she's the same age, if not younger than me. Mm. How is this going to work? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know that there's been extensive training sure. and I consider my therapist, my friend. Yeah. If it wasn't against HIPAA or whatever, sure. like I'd be like, come to one of my shows, totally. let's hang out. Like totally. you're a cool person, right? Um, I have so many thoughts on this. Well, keep going, but yeah. I, don't let me forget that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm just getting at that. Um, I, there, there, there are always questions asked in therapy that I'm like, oh God, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. Like yeah. not a normal person's without training is going to know how to ask that yeah. don't, or, or what to ask. Sure. Um, and, and so, you know, quick fixes like weed, uh, I hate the word weed, marijuana. Worse. I don't know. There's I don't, just, I have no idea. <laughs> hate it all. <laughs> it, Cause it, it's hard because it does still have somewhat of a negative connotation. Sure. Um, which I mean, you can use anything in a negative way, but of, of course. Yeah. I of mean, course. maybe except water. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, the alcohol thing's a whole other topic. Yeah. And I I think having a quick fix, maybe not Xanax, mm-hmm. uh is good in times of need. Yeah. However, I'm so glad that therapy is very much more widely accepted, talked about. Um it doesn't get a bad rap yeah. and people are like, I, oh oh you're in therapy? And I think we're still I think we're still in that weird timeline of like, oh, you're in therapy? Oh, cool, me too. Yeah, yeah. I hope it gets to a place where it's like, I had my general six-month checkup. Oh, I I tell that to my clients all the yeah. time. because I'm Also because I'm dealing with kids, there's a lot of times where it was not their choice to come. It yeah. was their parents that had them had them come. And I try to explain to them that it's like, if you had a sinus infection and you had to go get antibiotics, would you think twice about it or think there's something wrong with you? No. Yeah. So why why do we think that there it's so bad? But Cuz drugs are the quick fix for anything. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, when we use that example of antibiotics, but what yeah. I was thinking about when you said that is I've been having these conversations recently because I am moving, so I'm interviewing for, you know, new positions and things like that and starting to be like do I even know what I'm doing? Like someone gave me this degree. Like, I I don't know, you know? And I think a lot of therapists probably feel like that, but especially in the beginning, but what you said, like a friend, like especially working with teenagers right now, some of them don't, don't have an adult face that is just consistent Mm -hmm. and supportive. And sometimes I kind of see therapy like singing. Stay with me here. I I already get it (laughs) because like I mentioned my family is not musical if you tried to make my dad be a famous singer he could take all of this the singing lessons in the world he would never be a good singer I'm sorry dad yeah 
same with therapy. If it is not in your heart and you are not empathetic and you are not good with people, that paper is not going to help you. And I hate to say it, but I, I did go to school with some people that it's like they they wanted to be good so bad. And I feel for them, but they... They just don't have whatever it, it is. It, yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't mean that to like brag about myself, but it it's one of those jobs where it's like it's 100% a calling. Like you just know like, okay, well, I guess I got to do this, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, oh, I mean, I it's definitely one of those skills yeah that you have it or you don't totally and there are definitely there are always i think in any field any skill that you just need that final push to be good at it yeah just hone in on what you already have yeah however i have definitely taught students drumming that Mm -hmm. i'm like i will teach this kid if they enjoy it for as long as you want to pay me to do it but it's never gonna happen they're never gonna be good (laughs) They do not have a, they don't have an ear. They, for, for therapy, they don't have the personality. They don't have whatever it is. Yeah. And especially because I'm going through interviews right now, you know, you're being asked all those like, you know, more technical questions and academic type questions. But it's like, if we're talking anxiety and you're coming to see a therapist for the first time, you're going to shit your pants like that. Yeah. Going to see a, a, a therapist period is, is anxiety inducing, but you already are coming in knowing you're an anxious person. I am not going to sit there and be like, well, when's the last time you had a panic attack? We're going to talk. We're going to play a game. We're going to do whatever makes you comfortable. Yep. I have guitars in my therapy office. Like anything that makes this kid feel comfortable or safe. We do not need to jump into it. I do have some kids that are like, listen, I got to talk about it. I know I just met you, but this I'm like, great. That's fine. Yeah. And that works too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like therapy for me, the first 15, 20 minutes is like just shooting the shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And that can, <laughs> but I found more times that just doing that, talking about what vacation we taken or what'd you just get back from? Yeah. It, for some reason that leads into something that's been really bothering you. Yeah. And I know a huge skill that y'all have as therapists is like you can very much read an energy of a person Mm -hmm. and a lot of people think that's bullshit and that's fine if you think that yeah i certainly don't but i can't i can read certain things on people probably how most others can read obvious things right yeah Yeah. but like i did feel exceptionally calm the other day and my therapist 10 minutes in was like you seem very chill yeah are you doing this virtually or are you going in no it's going in oh okay yeah um, but i did feel like as much as i really enjoyed seeing her and 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 chatting yeah i i don't feel like i made that final breakthrough mm. until just this past year wow yeah um and i think it's just how long you know somebody and yep. it's a season of your life and totally you're constantly maturing especially mm-hmm. at our age yeah I mean, the difference between 24 and 28 was massive, massive. for me. Uh-huh. You know, I I know 28 to 35 is going to be yeah. crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, at, at the end of the day, I really, really hope, like I said earlier, that you go to have your six-month checkup. Yeah, and it's just oh, not even a... you need yeah. more help? Well, mm-hmm. keep coming back. Yeah, I think that it will be, and I know we talked about COVID, but... In a way, COVID was excellent for my field. Yeah. Because it 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 got to the point where so many people were struggling that it's like, listen, we can't not talk about this anymore. Yeah. So good and bad things to everything, just the way I mean that's 
that's the universe and that's life and that's energy and that's the way that yeah. it's supposed to be. But Well, I'm I'm very thankful for what you do. Thank you. And I'm glad that it is uh way more accepted, like I said, like we both said, and mm-hmm. um it's it's a fantastic field to be in and yeah. it's something that if I liked school more I would consider doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you asked about the doctor thing yeah they go to way more school but it's still it's still school I we mean, still got to do six a, years, a while masters? yep mm-hmm. yeah that's about uh five months and 11 or, or five years and 11 <laughs> months than i would want to do yeah <laughs> i might get through a month so right uh so yeah so thank you for talking yeah. about all that I, I was i was very excited to meet you and and discuss this on the podcast because i am so passionate about my own mental health my struggles along the way um and just everything to do with therapy so that's been great um to end this podcast Mm -hmm. i would like you to play a song that you said is being released yeah it should be released on the 20th so next friday yeah and this is with Adara Ray and the Home Wreckers. Home Wreckers. But there's not any other Adara Rays on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. So it should be oh, really? pretty easy to to find me, hopefully. Cool. Um yeah, there is that la- that old album out somewhere if you guys want to listen to the With the blue hair. The blue hair. <laughs> Nothing says rock and punk like blue hair. Yeah. And Nothing. as we talk about punk and this this song is is not punk at all. But <laughs> What's the song called? It's called Won't Let You Go. Cool. Okay. Walked into the room, can't keep my eyes off you. Heart beating like a fool, and I hope you didn't see it. Cause you wore that shade of blue. I'm trying to keep my cool, but you got that attitude that makes me kinda wanna hit you, but really wanna kiss ya. Whiskey out your lips, hands up on my ear, sweetie. See it going off like this Say let's take it slow I already know I feel it in my soul Say I won't let you go Walked into the bar And you spoke of who you are I'm falling hot so far And I hope you didn't see it Cause you got that bad boy style Mixed with a good boy smile And you know the things you do To make me kinda wanna hit you I really wanna kiss ya Whiskey on your lips Hands up on my Sweetie, didn't see it going off like this Let's take it slow, but I already know I feel it in my soul Say I won't let you go Say I won't let you go Cause you got the magic, come make it happen Let me be yours and it won't be tragic I saw it coming I won't be running, don't wait, cause baby, I'm all in. Whiskey on your lips, hands up on my hips. Sweet, didn't see it going off like this. Let's take it slow, and I already know.
great song. Thank you. <laughs> I say this every time someone performs. I have not had anybody over where I'm like, Ooh, that was oh, a God, that was, that was a rough song. Because <laughs> trust me, I wouldn't be able to hide it well. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, for not necessarily liking country, that's sure a country-ish song. I know. Okay. I, I figured know. you knew. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. But I love it because it's like, there doesn't need you don't have to be a genre right and it's very authentic because i don't listen to a lot of country that's exactly. just what came that's just what yeah. came out yeah. i mean at the end of the day like country yeah is just singer songwriter totally totally like, and i've got the twang i can't get rid of it it's just what it is <laughs> yeah like, i don't know if i would call it twang yeah. but, but whatever you want to call it there's something there that makes it country yeah. yeah but it's just it's just the way that you sing and the tone of your voice yeah. but yeah um I love it. Thank That's you. super cool. So that comes out next Thursday, Friday, Friday the twentieth, mm-hmm. and Te- then technically it's Thursday. At, is it Thursday at nine p.m. because of the time difference? I don't know what they do. I don't know either. Yeah, I don't know what they do. We're gonna. I have. I actually haven't really told anyone it's coming out. This is for there. You go. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then beyond that, there'll be an, an EP along with that, and cool. the months following that. So well, I look forward to it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much again. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck and uh, congrats on your move to Chicago. Thank you. I appreciate it. Cool. Uh, Adara Ray, thank you again. Yeah. Bye. Bye.